Everybody is murderous in their intentions towards everybody else. They can't hold them back! Submit yourself to one all-powerful absolute sovereign. Thomas Hobbes, the great 17th century natural philosopher, called this... Leviathan! I like shapeshifters, only a lot more into evil folk. And nothing can kill them. Hey, so maybe I'm not real, but I'm not going anywhere. Hello, the internet, and welcome to the Lands of Leviathan podcast where we discuss political science and popular culture, as always hosted by Peter Sleeman and Brock Roderman. Today we're going to be looking at Game of Thrones and we're going to be looking at the question of when is it okay to rebel against a state or political power? Well, we got onto this topic by reviewing a few of our last episodes and finding out that we sounded quite pro-state and we were in favor of the status quo, leading, uh, I'd say, an implicit sort of facade that we are not in favor of rebellions. However... We think we would, well, we'd like to use this opportunity to discuss under what terms and what sort of circumstances you can legitimize state rebellion because we're not entirely against it. And I think that comes across because as political scientists, we're both, you know, we're both in favor of the state in general. So that comes across. But being South African, we are pretty anti-state as well. You know, like we're very happy for rebellion and uh, taking the government down when it's necessary. Yeah, I suppose there is a bit of history in there as well, but just our political culture is we are we like to protest quite a bit. As, but there are bigger reasons for that as well. Is as philosophy-minded guys, we also like the idea that nothing is impossible. That under certain mm. circumstances, sure, the state can evolve and probably should evolve. So we yeah. need to discuss when and why that uh, a re- that type of rebelling or regime overthrow can be legitimate legitimized. And uh, just before we get into it, I'd also like to apologize for a little bit of a, well, actually quite a large gap uh, since our last episode. We're back on track now and we will be trying to put out an episode once a fortnight. So you guys can look forward to that and keep us on your calendar, which will be good. Cool. Okay. So I think the first thing we need to look at is the nature of political power. Okay. So my idea here is what is like, I want to actually ask you the question. What what is political power like? At, if you had to define it, uh, it's the exercise. It's the exercising of authority. I would say. Yeah, and I think. I mean, I think the uh, the definition of power is just the ability to make the changes that you want to see. So you want something. Yeah, to I prefer be that. It doesn't way. have to be legitimate at all. As long as you can do it, as long as you have the, the potential to or the power to, it doesn't have to be legitimate. But do you? But political power itself is not always legitimate, is it? No, of course not. You have to earn that legitimacy. There's certain ways and rules in which you can earn it. And I think only once you earn it does that power become authority. Authority is the legitimate form of power. Mm, mm. So I I think we said in one of our our past politics, I think it might have been our first one when we attempted to define what politics actually is. And we said, in essence, it's the allocation of resources from one group to another. So it's the political power would thus be exactly what you said. It's the ability to do that. So the absolute sovereign would have the absolute control over those resources. Um, So what makes that, what is it that makes, because what we're saying is that when authority is when that power is legitimate, what is it that makes that legitimate, do you think? When the subjects you're ruling over, so the ones that you're taking resources away from and granting resources to, and remember, these need not be material, tangible resources. They can be the form of, um, you know, Opportunities or, or political power can even be a resource yeah. or position. Yeah. Um, the people that you're governing, the people that you're doing that to, when they accept that you are doing it 
um, with their consent. I think when, when they're happy with you doing it, they might not like what you're doing, but the fact that you, that you are the one doing it, then that is that makes it legitimate. And when I say you, it doesn't have to be a person doing it. Remember, a state is an, is, is an abstract noun. It doesn't, it doesn't always physically exist, in, and especially it doesn't always physically exist in the form of people. But as long as that thing or that person that is performing the politics or performing the political power, that is embodying it and activating it, has the consent of the people, then I would say it's legitimate. See, I'm going to agree with you as well as disagree with you, as is my normal way. Um, I'm going to say that you're right in, in that the people have to view the ruling body in a specific way. But I don't think that they have to consent I think that they have to view the state or the king or the monarch or whichever rule of government you have as legitimate. So they have to, if you ask them the question like, hey, do you think that your ruler has the right to rule you? They have to answer yes. If the majority of the population answers that question as no, then your authority is no longer legitimate. But I could imagine a situation where, like, let's say, for instance, a state declares a state of emergency, which the whole country disagrees with but they could also still believe in the legitimacy of that state based on either like what we have today is democracy or in fact if you looked at like medieval states where they believed that the king was ruling by the will of god in that case he was legitimate by a uh, you know religious fact so it's not necessarily consent but more the belief in legitimacy. I I completely agree with you. I think you've put it much better than than what I was trying to say. My my use of the word consent I think was too loose. What I meant by consent is what you're saying is that you believe that the ruler has a right to rule you. You don't have to. I, a consent means that you agree with them ruling you. When actually you know I don't agree with my rulers, but I understand why they're there and I'm, I accept I accept the means by which they assumed power. Yeah, and I think that that's, I mean, that's how most people today would look at it as well. They would take consent and the view of legitimacy as the same thing. Because today, if you don't consent to what your government's doing to you, then you almost automatically view them as illegitimate because we live in... Yeah, Which is wrong. Well, but that's a very Western democratic ideal. You know, if your state is doing something that you disagree with, you... I don't think it's an ideal. I think it's, Im- I think it's political immaturity. So it's especially democratic immaturity to say, because I don't consent with the laws that my ruler is making, I do not think that they are legitimate. They are perfectly legitimate. They were elected there, fr- you know, fa- fairly and mm, freely. Mm. And so just because you don't agree with it doesn't mean they don't have the right to do and it. And you have the chance four years or five years or whatever the case may be later to kick those people out of office. Yeah, absolutely. I don't um, don't think that the, the, the authority is illegitimate. Blame democracy, not the leader. And that's why, to a certain extent, I think we're going to make the argument in this podcast that in a, in a democratic regime that is a relatively healthy democratic regime, rebellion is always the wrong answer because you have the chance to you actually have the chance to rebel every four years or so although that's often open to interpretation as well yeah it's like a peaceful democratic uh, put your x on a piece of paper exactly type of rebellion. and then you would get into a whole bunch of marxist false consciousness stuff but let's not get into that <laughs> um <laughs> yeah people don't hate to play hate the game <laughs> so i've got another question for you now which leads us away from that conversation of legitimacy versus authority versus power when is it okay then for a for a people to rise up against the legitimate authority or 
authority. Sorry, I shouldn't have said legitimate authority. No, yeah, that, that is redundant, but we've gotten used to your grammatical inconsistencies. <laughs> well, I think we've set it up. If we understand authority as legitimate power, then all that happens for that all that needs to happen to legitimize rebellion is that authority must lose its mm. legitimacy and just become mm. raw power. So if people say that actually the means by which this ruler or this ruling regime came to power is actually was illegitimate itself or that their power is being abused and thereby um, forfeiting their legitimacy, then authority has become decrepit yeah. and raw power should be rebelled yeah. against. And I think that rebellion then manifests itself in the power of the people and be- takes on very ugly forms, but forms that are sometimes very necessary to f- to constrain the ruling mm. power. And it becomes you know, a fight fire with fire situation. I agree with you, but I'd like to phrase it in a, like a bit of a philosophical terms. I'm sure many of our listeners have read a little bit of Hobbes and uh, John Locke. And Hobbes, obviously, is where we draw a lot of our stuff from. Um, so would you say that the people have a natural right, an innate human right to rebel against illegitimate authority. Absolutely. I think that people and individuals and societies existed before authority Mm. did. You need a person or you need a a society in order to have authority. So therefore, there is a human right to to regulate that authority. And yes, I do believe that there is a right Mm. to rebel. And I think, I mean, obviously, you know, John Locke would agree with you and uh, the American founding fathers and many rebels, uh, you know, Che Guevara, Marx, all of them would have agreed with that principle. But I know from reading Hobbes that Hobbes himself would have disagreed with that because he stated that there is no natural right to rebellion because the, by the mere fact of living within a state that's governed by rules and regulations and therefore by authority, it's better than living in the state of nature. So, like, he said, you know, that in that case, there is no natural right. And it, if, if there is no natural right, then perhaps there has to be some kind of positive right that actually is written into law. I do think that the human right, such as rebellion, does need to be written into human law um, and written into the, 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 the law of the state. But I think that Hobbes is also constrained by his times a little bit. I think he was affected by the mm. fear that come that came with the state mm. of nature when he was writing, that he really didn't want to go back to that, and therefore he said, "Once we for- now that we formed the state back in 1600 England, um, we should never be allowed to go backwards, mm. and therefore we should remove our rights fr- from ourselves and detach ourselves from the right yeah. to rebellion." Um, and therefore, I, I think that. But having, if he were to concede that, then he would, then he would have to concede that at some point we did have a human right to rebellion and to reinforce this rebuttal against him. I'd say we had to have had that human right in the first place in order to rebel against the the monarchs that were behaving illegitimately and the reason why we we felt why we were living in a state of nature to mm. begin with. Mm. So if we never had that human right to rebellion, we would never have formed the state. We would never have rebelled against the state of nature or rebelled against very poor monarchs or very poor leaders. I think he needs to walk his argument. Yeah, that's back an interesting argument. Good for a debate, I think. Um, <laughs> so I think then you get two sides. And I, I, as political scientists, I think the, um, the academy has kind of settled this argument that humans have the right to rebel. Um, and that's what we call natural law. But also, there, we do need to have some kind of positive 
law in place, and that means written law, codified constitutional law that allows for rebellion in um, in case of tyrannical power. And I, obviously, this is what the founding fathers were thinking of when they create when they added the Second Amendment in America. You know, the rights to bear arms. Um, it, that was just in case the the government got too tyrannical, and you know that's led to a whole bunch of other problems. But that was their reasoning behind it. So, well, now that we've got that, we've got our views on power and legitimacy, as well as natural versus positive law. Although it's not really natural versus positive law now; it's more like natural law leading into positive law, just like natural human rights have led into human rights guarantees. Let's look at our Game of Thrones examples, because this is a world just fucking full of people rebelling against each other. It's, you know, throughout the whole first couple of seasons, people are just going fucking mad and rebelling. Yeah, uh, and it actually, I think, is one of the big grabs of, of the, the series. You feel like you've throw, been thrown in right after a rebellion, and you are led right into one, and which kind of frivels away at the end of the first season and leads to three or four other rebellions. Um, that you're due to take place. So it really is, I think, a, a good popular cultural mm. set for, for our And the other interesting thing is that the rebellions are set during essentially, uh, you know, a, a parallel of Earth's medieval times. So a time when people were first exploring these ideas of natural versus positive laws and whether they're, you know, there were God-given rights or whether man created things for themselves. So it, that's, it's really interesting from a political science point of view as well. So let's look at the at the first rebellion, which happens before uh, the series starts, and that is Robert Baratheon's rebellion against and Eddard Stark against the Targaryens. So I think just the question is: Was that rebellion legitimate? Uh, absolutely not. Oh, ooh, okay. No, it wasn't because there was they had no political intentions. They had no. Uh, they could have had political motivation. Um, if they had uh, popular following, popular backing, if their intentions were clear, if they had things like petitions and manifestos to use uh, very modern terms. But uh, but they never set out to do any of that. It was a good old-fashioned Disney rescue story. Okay, yeah. Okay, so I agree with you from the storytelling point of view that Robert and Eddard Stark went out to save uh, Eddard Stark's sister, um, Liana, from Rhaegar Targaryen. However... So I agree with you that they might not have had the lofty principles of like the leaders of the French Revolution. But I would still say that their rebellion, just remove them as characters, the rebellion itself was legitimate because Aerys Targaryen, who was king at the time, was batshit fucking crazy. So by our earlier uh, definitions... He, I mean, he was having people burnt alive and he was not, you know, serving the needs of the kingdom. And, you know, the only reason that Eddard and Robert got a following behind them was because a lot of people were pissed off at, uh, enough to, to defeat the king's army and take over the throne. So just by, I think by those two facts, one, the king was batshit insane and was doing terrible things to the kingdom. And two, there was enough popular support to dethrone him that that leads us to believe that the regime itself was illegitimate by our earlier definitions, and therefore the rebellion was a legitimate one. Or am I being too optimistic? I think you're being too optimistic. You're assuming that the the rebels had set out were setting out to dethrone the king, but they weren't. 
They did not try and popularize their ideas. They did not try and set in or, or find a replacement ruler. They were just going to get a, get get his woman back. Um, there was there was nothing ide- idealistic about it. There was no, there was no political motivation. Regardless of the motivations behind the conflict, the rebellion itself. Like if you, as a political scientist, went down onto the ground and said and you were speaking to the commoners and were like, hey guys, do you think you should rebel? I think your answer would still be yes. Okay, fine. So people think that you should rebel, but were you going there to rebel? No, you were going there to fetch a princess out of town. Okay, I think that this is... (laughs) We are going to have to agree to disagree on this. People, please send us in your comments on this one because I would really like to hear what you've got to say. Let's move on to our second revolution, which I think we'll be able to agree on a bit more. So Robert Baratheon dies spoiler alert for people who are really late robert baratheon dies and suddenly the throne is vacant and he can't uh and and now we need to choose a new king now there are two contenders three contenders for the throne at this point we've got joffrey baratheon who's robert's illegitimate not son because he's the product of incest between cersei and jamie lannister we've got stannis baratheon and we've got Renly Baratheon. Um, what do you think about those those three guys? Well, if we just ignore what I said previously, um, uh, disagreeing that a rescue mission can become a legitimate regime rebellion, and we accept that it is legitimate. So we say, right, Robert has taken the throne legitimately and he's d- now yeah. died. Then by law of Westeros, the, next, the heir to the throne um, should be either his children, his oldest son or daughter, uh, or if he doesn't have children, which another spoiler alert is that mm-hmm. he doesn't, uh, not legit, not legitimate yeah. ones anyway, that the that the next legitimate heir to the throne is his oldest yeah. brother, which is Stannis yeah. Baratheon, which for some reason very very few people in Westeros seem to accept that they don't like the idea of him becoming king. I think they just don't like the idea that for him to become king, he has to supersede or um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for usurp the throne from a little tiny well, shit also who, people uh, don't like Stannis everybody hates that fucking guy yeah but they, they don't see him as the, as the legitimate yeah. ruler they don't see him as the legitimate mm. heir it's probably because they've been led to believe that um, Joffrey is, is actually Robert's but, son so we know yeah. that Joffrey is an illegitimate ruler by the laws so here yes. it's interesting because we're talking about positive laws of Westeros, of the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah. So Joffrey is yeah. definitely an illegitimate ruler. Regardless, even if he was the best fucking ruler on the planet, he would still be illegitimate yeah. by law. Yeah. Um, so therefore, what Stannis is doing with his rebellion against Joffrey, that is legitimate. Yeah, so, St- so Stannis Baratheon's rebellion is legitimate and we should all be supporting him to take yeah. the throne. Whether you like him or not, it's the right thing that needs to happen. It's the by legal law. thing. I agree. So let's. Then you have other players in that rebellion, like his younger yeah. brother, Renly Baratheon, and I don't understand his cause at all because he knows he has an older brother, and by law, it should be the yeah. older brother. He has so zero claim. I don't see that being legitimate. Yeah, he has zero claim. I think he's just being yeah. cheeky. I think he's realized that Stannis is not liked, that he does live a hermit's life with some crazy yeah. witch, and that uh, he just has a more popular yeah. claim. To the throne, but other than that, there's nothing legitimate about. So not only is Renly's grab for power illegitimate, he would be an illegitimate king if he if 
which we know he doesn't, but let's say he got the throne, yeah. his rebellion against yeah. Joffrey is also illegitimate. The only way it would be legitimate is yeah. if he was only doing it to unseat Joffrey in order to put Stannis on the throne. Absolutely. Because yeah. he wants to put himself on the throne. Yes, which you know is not his intention. He wants to put himself on the throne, which is why he's keeping his uh, latent homosexual love life yeah. secret. If he w- had no intention of becoming the king, then he wouldn't be. He wouldn't have stayed in yeah. the closet. Yeah. So those ones are easy. Let's look at a more complicated example of Rob Stark in the North. Now, he rebels against the whole regime. He doesn't want the throne uh, in, um, in King's Landing. He wants to create an independent northern kingdoms. Yes, yes. He's not really rebelling to overthrow the regime. He's just rebelling for yeah. secession. So he's saying, like, either you give me, if you make the north its own lands, or you die, and then the next king will come in. And he doesn't want to be king. If he had to kill the king at that time, it was King Joffrey. If he had to kill the king at that time, he wouldn't want to take his place. He would just make sure that the new king gives him what he wants, or he would also lose in battle mm-hmm. and die. So the threat from Rob Stark is, you know, uh, give um, secession or yeah. the sword. So, like... My opinion is, obviously, from a positive point of view, from a legal point of view, it's illegitimate because there there are no laws. I mean, I doubt that there are laws in Westeros that allow for secession from the kingdom. So definitely illegal. I think, yeah, I I must say, I don't know for sure, but I would think that there are, since the seven kingdoms are, by their own right, their own lands. They have their own stewards and uh, and they only have to pay tax to the king. So I think there would be... I don't think it would be very favorable. It would take a lot to make it popular, at least. Um, but there would be laws for. So you secession. reckon a because Westeros like, lawyer could make the case for secession? For the yes, for the North being its yeah. own land. Yes. So I think in a positivist, in a legal positivist view, it could be okay. legitimate. So what about from a natural rights point of view? Is the rebellion legitimate? Now you see, that's why I think there's less of a case. Because Rob Stark, I think, wants secession only because Joffrey killed his dad, and because he wants to—he doesn't want anything to do with King's Landing. He doesn't want to be paying him tax at all. Um, whereas, so to try and make that a human right, to try and say actually I have the human right to rebel, you really would have to prove that uh, that the situation in King's Landing is utterly mm. atrocious. And I don't think he has that case to make, which is why. He probably goes on the offensive. Why? I think that's why he realizes the only way I'm going to get this right is if I fight for it, if I make it, if I make it popular, if I if I take my legal rights to succeed. see again. I would take the opposite view from you because I would say the natural law has a stronger case than the positive one, and my reasons for that are a the political regime in King's Landing has essentially been delegitimized by the fact that Joffrey is king. You have two Baratheons who are contending for the throne, and not doing very well so from rob stark's point of view the whole thing does look pretty fucked up and then on the other side if we say that people have the right to rebel when they no longer view the rulership as legitimate that caveat is now uh, accepted he that the north cannot see the south as being legitimate uh, as a ruler not to mention the fact that this is a feudal society so you see the lords of the north Swearing to Rob Stark, and if they are representatives of their own people, which we know in a feudal society the feudal lords often are, because they have underlords below them and they have underlords below them, I would say that there is a lot of popular 
uh, force that's allowing for that to happen. So from a natural rights point of view, I would actually say that it is legitimate. Okay, I, I see. That. I think it is a, a, a fair argument. You know, the, the degree to which the political situation in King's Landing has decayed is is yeah. arguable. Um, but I don't see him. I don't see Rob Stark going to King's Landing to fight the king in order to resolve that. I don't think he's interested in it yeah. at all. So again, his motivation comes into mm. question. I think his motivation is purely for secession, and I think he's going to secede. He's trying to secede on legal mm. grounds. And if he were to do so, it would be legitimate. Okay. Whereas I don't think he has a, uh, that, that natural right to secede. So let's move on to our last one, which I think is quite cool and quite interesting. The rebellion, and it's not really a rebellion, it's more of an all-out war being led by Daenerys Targaryen against the Seven Kingdoms. Um, or she's building up to that invasion. Legitimate, not legitimate. Which way are you going? As much as I hate her, she's my most attested oh, man, character on that she's show. Awesome. No, she's an immature. She's got ruler. dragons, dude. Yeah, so that doesn't make her cool. <laughs> Regardless, if we could add to Hobbes' theorem and to Locke's theorem about uh, the right to rebellion, if we could say, no, you're allowed to rebel. Yeah, I think that should be added in. Then I would buy your argument. single constitution. So it's not. It's not just a. Yeah, you know, not just a natural right or a uh, legal right. There's also the dragon's right of rebellion. <laughs> then, then she would have it. Look, I, we all like Robert Baratheon. He's been built up as a likable character. And we want his um, his rebellion to be legitimate from the beginning of the story. Um, but but because I don't think it is legitimate, because I think that he just ended up by king by default, I think that she does have a legitimate claim to the throne because Robert Baratheon assumed power illegitimately. Mm-hmm. So actually, if we're going to remove her father Aerys Targaryen from the throne then she should be the one to assume it since her brother is now dead I agree with you but for slightly different reasons and so my firstly I don't see Robert Baratheon as being illegitimate I think he started fighting a war for one reason that war turned into a rebellion which I don't have such a problem with Uh, he seized power from an illegitimate regime and that's fine now when he seized power I would say that his he should have then made the next Targaryen in line to the throne queen or king. But given that that would have been her brother, who was also a fucking crazy guy, uh, that would have been a bad idea. No, you don't want that. But I don't see it. But the fact that she is heir to the throne by blood and, you know, she's got the whole blood of the dragon thing. Uh, she's got a very strong legal claim to the throne. I think I agree with you. She's definitely a legitimate claim. On the other side of that, I think that she is a she would make a good ruler, given her dispensation for like being kind and looking after her people and freeing all the slaves. So I like her for those reasons. And I think that you suck. Oh, you suck too. And I think that the uh, kingdom is so fucked up now that it could benefit from her rule there as well. So I think. So you're saying she's she's more legitimate than her brother just because she's nicer. Uh, <laughs> See, that is, that, you're as immature as he is. No, 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 no. If her, if her brother was still alive, I, I, from a legal point of view, I would have to side with uh, him because. But he got killed, so it's fine. Doesn't matter. No, but what you're saying is, when Robert Baratheon took the throne, if he was on the the romantic rescue mission like he was, then he should have inst- just uh, supplanted or replaced uh, Eris with his son Dagor. Yeah. But remember, because, his son was like, uh, was like a toddler. He was, he was a kid. 
So, I mean, Robert or whoever would have had to be, like, steward for a while. So maybe uh, Dagar would have grown up to be a very well-functioning ruler. Who knows? Um, no, no, that's fine. But then you, but then you say it actually, um, it should have been... It should have been Daenerys. No, I only say that now. Because only, only, no, only because her brother would have been dead, but he wouldn't have been if Robert Baratheon had acted appropriately. Yes. Okay. So then I agree with you. So that uh, he can be king, as yeah, as long as he's not an illegitimate ruler, as long as he doesn't become a tyrant. This has been the most uh, confrontational it's been between Brock and I, where we haven't reached any kind of consensus on this. It's first- been the most confrontational on record. <laughs> it gets worse. Which is interesting. In That's awesome. I would love to hear your guys' views on the questions we've batted around. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Our next episode is going to be on Star Wars, so look forward to that. Thanks so much, guys. A final footnote uh, so that we don't get sued. The music that we used in our opening theme for this episode is the Game of Thrones opening sequence, uh, which was composed by Raman Jawadi and published by Varessa Sarabandi. The one we use is the instrumental performed by Tyler Davis. Thanks for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed that. We'll upload the episode onto our website, lanzaleviathan.com. You can find it all there along with all our other SoundCloud tracks. And if you'd like any updates on the website, please don't be shy to subscribe to our RSS feed that is also there. We also look forward to hearing your comments and feedback. Send us an email at lanzaleviathan.com at gmail.com it's l-a-n-d-s-o-f-l-e-v-i-a-t-h-a-n and you can also find us on facebook as well as twitter um, under the lands of leviathan podcast and you can also listen to our tracks directly on your android or iphone um, via the soundcloud or itunes app hope you enjoyed it guys thanks so much Mm -hmm.